Hi again, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Continenza, along with Anthony Kepley, and it is going to be a fun but a quick podcast here uh, this afternoon. As it's a Sunday as we record, the Browns have just come away with their fifth victory of the season, beating Carolina a 26 to 20, and uh, an interesting game. We'll get into that a little bit later. Last week, last Saturday, not this yesterday, but a week Saturday, was the championship games down in Canton. We're going to talk about our experience down in Canton and what was going on there. And we'll also uh, get into a few other things here. It's going to be about a half-hour podcast, so it's going to be a quick one here for the po- for the uh, Radio MVB Sports Podcast. But let's get going, and let me right now bring in my partner and friend, uh, Anthony Kepley. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's good to be back. Uh after a crazy and hectic and long 15 weeks, uh, that was really fun. Uh, we, I know we sat here August 10th or 11th, whatever it was, and we were like, well, we're not going to do games this year. And we were thinking about what games to go to just as fans. And then the next day, we literally get a phone call, and we had 15 fun weeks, 20, 22 games. Um, yeah. You know, a big thank you to Matt Emsch, uh for pulling us all together. Uh, I know he's not joining us tonight, but without him, we may not have 15 weeks of football. Uh, so uh, we can definitely, I can a big thank you to Matt Adams for that. Yeah, there's no question. Matt was a major, major player this year, uh, and making that all happen. And, uh, we, we thanked everybody at the end of the game and, uh, you know, like I'll mention real quickly, uh, my thanks to Carl Bloom for everything Absolutely. he did, uh, this season and, and to, also, Brandon Fisher back at the station who did a terrific mm-hmm. job. And uh, what a quick turnaround for me. We'll get into that Gerard game yeah. here in a second. Uh, that was last Saturday was the Gerard game, uh, like I said, uh, eight days ago. And Friday this week, I was in Newcastle for uh, the Red Hurricanes basketball season. Yeah. And I'm talking to uh, Ralph Blundo, one of the premier coaches of the WPIL. And uh, we were having fun just saying, I go, here we are. You know, let's let's get going. I says, if you only knew about my football season, you can see why I had the smile on my face that I do uh, to get going. And he laughed. And uh, he's a great guy, and he's a phenomenal coach. And uh, we'll get into a little bit of uh, the Canes here in a little bit. They're two and zero to start their season. They won their their tip off uh, mm-hmm. tournament in Newcastle uh, on Friday and Saturday. Saturday they played uh, Youngstown Cheney, so we're going to get into that a little bit too. Uh, uh, as the Cowboys are back playing uh, high school sports, and it's great to see. So uh, we'll get into that. Got a big win Friday night too for them. Yeah, they've uh, they've had a great start. I mean, they're doing a phenomenal job, and I think they're going to be a surprise team in uh, the Mahoning Valley this year uh, as an independent and uh, mm-hmm. making their no- no- their voices known here in the Valley on the basketball court. Let's uh, let's get back to last Saturday night. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a what a game! Uh, Cincinnati, Wyoming, of course, comes away with a big win, forty-two to the fourteen over over Gerard, and it was a game where Gerard had opportunities and just couldn't click. A ton give of credit, yeah, and you got to give credit to Wyoming. I've always said you got to give credit to the winning team and what they achieve, keeping another team off balance. Uh, it wasn't Gerard's best game of the year. I'm sure the kids would tell you that. But what a ride. What a phenomenal ride we had 
watching that team play throughout the year and then into the playoffs and uh, taking us to Canton. And uh, all I got to say is this. Tom Benson's Hall of Fame Stadium is premier. Well, wow. I tell you what. incredible, I, isn't it? I, I was I was kind of had a, shed a tear when Fawcett left. I mm-hmm. love the old Fawcett mm-hmm. Stadium. And and they always kept it, you know, the NFL and, and, and the city of, of uh, Canton always kept it up best they could as the years went by. But when they tore it down, I, had, I shed a little tear because I spent a lot of time in that stadium mm-hmm. over the years. Uh, cheering against the uh, the Bulldogs and cheering actually for teams in championship games and uh, cheering on my Spartans back in the day. However, uh, wow, when they said they're going to build a brand new stadium, they they oh. did it right. I mean, you are kidding. It is one of the premier high school stadiums in the country. I know there's some down in Texas that are just phenomenal, and I'm sure this one rivals those. And they're still going to put a, a bigger and better scoreboard in next year. And I'm sure they're going to continue to make improvements on it as time goes by. But uh, what a stadium, what a what atmosphere for high school uh, football and 52,000 people came in for those seven games to watch them. And it was just top notch. Yeah, a- absolutely incredible. Uh, Tim street, uh, Dr. Dan Ross, and the Ohio high school athletic Association put on a first class tournament every year. And this year we were fortunate enough to have it in our own backyard in Stark County. And from the moment you and I walked onto the village slash campus of the Hall of Fame, uh, I mean, and they're not even near down with the construction yet. What Davidson's going to be there in a couple of years. Um, just how welcoming and excited everyone that greeted us there was to have us there broadcast in the game um and then to you know to i mean look i think i'm still in there with the uh, roll-up window by the switch and the mountain you just felt like you were in an nfl stadium uh so tom benson uh, the late saints owner just did a phenomenal job uh, with all that money but on the football field we didn't know a lot about cincinnati wyoming coming into the game we did our homework here and there of what was available to us but boy, are they good. And they're deep. They are. And we can talk about our offense. And we'll talk about our offense here in a little bit. Their defense is fast and it's fundamentally sound. And they made Mark Wade uncomfortable. And that's the way you beat a great quarterback in any level of football. You make him uncomfortable. And um, he didn't have all the time in the world to set his feet. That's probably why there was a cup, three or four. By my calculation, I think that I gave you in the broadcast overthrows that would have been touchdowns. Uh, but that's not Mark Wade's fault. That is a big credit to Cincinnati, Wyoming, and just the job uh, they did up front, especially. I will say this Mark Wade, a one dimensional quarterback, will beat you nine out of 10 times. Yep. Mark Wade, the two way quarterback running and passing is very difficult to beat and give, yep. like you said, Wyoming credit. They took the running game away from them. There was no running game uh, for Mark. No, Wade. Wasn't. They just, they, they just took that, that aspect of the game away. And here's a guy who rushed for over 800 yards in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't even know if he had 50 yards in the entire game rushing. I don't even think he had 30 yards. To be honest. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but phenomenal uh, defensive effort by uh, the Cowboys uh, there. And, Mark Wade passing was 
not as sharp as we've seen before. And he, again, get credit to Wyoming. I'm sure uh, he would like to have a few passes back that he threw that he knew he could do better. But that's football. That's a game. That happens. Uh, that's how you make plays. And that's how you, you know, take advantage of it. And Wyoming took advantage of their opportunities. And on that level, uh, you know, they won the state title for a reason. That's a very good yes. program. And uh, congratulations, you know, and there's no questions about it. Uh, but what a phenomenal ride. What a great team. What a what a family atmosphere yep. Gerard put on. And I tell you what, I am so impressed. Over the years, always have been with the city of Gerard and the the way they rally around their school and their team. Uh, they did not disappoint this year. Uh, they brought everybody to the game. They supported the team in many different ways. And congratulations to Gerard itself, the kids that played the game, the coaching staff that coached the game, the administrators who uh, put everything together all season long for it to happen. Uh, there's just so many things that went right for uh, the Gerard Indians and Gerard High School this year that you just, again, I just I just tip my hat to them and say, great job. Uh, be proud. Uh, it's your first ch- you know, first time ever in a championship game, coming away with a runner-up. Uh, these kids played together for four years, a lot of them, to get to that, uh, that opportunity. Uh, they felt disrespected part of the season. As mm-hmm. the season got longer, people more and more realized how good they are, and uh, they deserve the opportunity they had to win that championship. It just, unfortunately, on that Saturday, was not their turn. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic job by Coach Pearson and the rest of the team. That team was deserving of being in the state championship game. And a couple plays here and there, you know, they, I believe, I think I counted 28 of Wyoming's 42 points were scored on third and 10 or fourth and 10 or longer plays. So a couple stops there and a couple deep balls hit and we got a whole new game and who knows what happens. Uh, but, it, you know, when the season's over, it's easier to reflect. And just what a ride that that team um, took the community on. And I think eventually that's what's going to be remembered uh, by everybody in Girard, uh, just the run that they took the community on. And it was really cool to see from my perspective that it captivated everybody outside of Girard, too, in the Mahoning Valley in Tremble County. Um, I know we were really impressed and we were pulling for them. Um, you know, just what a great job they did. And I think when you look back on it 20, 30 years from now, that that could be Gerard's best team ever. You know, who knows? They, it's tough right. to say. But it, it definitely – it will go down as one of the best teams in Gerard High School history. And uh, more so the talent on the field. I know when you and I have the privileges of talking to them off the field, uh, just what class acts they were. Just uh, – you know, each kid, uh, very respectful. That's a credit to uh, their families and the coaching staff. And I think what you said was right, Tim. It's not a football team. It's not a high school. It was a big, big family. And they preached that since day one uh, the, when the game we had them against JFK. And they kept it going all out, all throughout the year. That's a family. And uh, they're deserving of every accolade and compliment uh, they get. No question about it. I thought they had a great year, and uh, they did have a great year, and it was Phenomenal a fun year. ride. It was a fun ride to, to watch and mm-hmm. uh, to be a part of, and 
you know, on a personal level to be able to broadcast that game was, you know, it's just one of those exciting things to do to have a 15 week football season. Uh, I've had a lot of 10 week seasons and uh, it's fun to get into the playoffs and go deep. And, you know, all those who uh, made that happen, my thanks to all of them. All right, let's move on. Let let me tell you about my week. Uh, That was Saturday. And then, like I said, Friday, I was up in uh, Newcastle for my first game with the uh, the Red Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And, wow, it's going to be a fun year again uh, covering this team. A young team. Is that only three only three seniors coming back? And those three seniors seen a total of about, and if you count them all up, about 70 minutes of basketball last year. Oh, wow. The first oh, wow. So, yeah, this is a young team that's going to be finding its way. And in the process – uh, winning ball games because, uh, like I mentioned before, they got one of the best coaches in the area, mm-hmm. and uh, in in Ralph Blundo, and he's a competitor. That's the funnest thing about Ralph is he hates to lose, and then all coaches do. But I mean, he wears his emotion throughout the ball game, and he's very, very into every play, and it's fun to watch. And he's he does a great job getting these kids prepared. And uh, just a little a side note here, an important side note, by the way. Uh, as I did the high school football uh, scoreboard show the last two years, didn't do it last year because I didn't know what I was going to get involved in, in in Newcastle. But this year, I'm going to do something a little different. It won't be a scoreboard show, but we're going to we're going to chronicle the entire season for uh, the Red Hurricanes. I'm going to call it "Running with the Canes," uh, the the season of 2018 2019, and just we're going to have uh, interviews. My weekly interview with Coach uh, Blundo plus. Any other information that we get along the way, you'll hear from myself. You'll hear from our good friend James Dotson and uh, Ralph Blundo, plus the highlights from the games that are played. And I'm going to try to put that together either tonight, tomorrow type scenario mm-hmm. and get the first one released. Our next broadcast is not till Friday against Hopewell. So we may not be every week on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may uh, wait and do a three-game stretch on the next podcast after that just because – we only have one broadcast this week, and then next week we have two, and then we get into the holiday break. Uh, so, But we're going to chronicle the season for uh, the Red Hurricanes right here on Radio MVP. It's going to be called Running with the Canes. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. And I think uh, basketball fans in general will, will be just thrilled with uh, some of the information and the fun and, the, and just following a, a team that has, has the opportunity – to try to win its third straight WPIL championship. So a two-time defending champion. We'll see what happens if they can do that and maybe even move on past the quarterfinals this year. That's that's putting the horse way, yeah, way, way ahead of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm putting the cart way in front way of the horse, the horse here. It's only two games into the season, and you'll hear what uh, Coach Blundo talk about uh, his expectations for this season's and uh, the challenges that he faced and the challenges that the Red Hurricanes face. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I encourage you to download and share it with your friends and family mm-hmm. and uh, your enemies, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, just uh, click on the download and you'll find it everywhere. And I really think it's going to be a kind of a fun podcast to do. It won't be long ones. It'll probably be about anywhere between 10 to 20, 30 minutes max each week. And it's uh, not going to be like the scoreboard show. It's going to be a little different, but it's, we're going to chronicle the uh, the Red Hurricanes in Newcastle on Radio MVP. I'm looking forward to it. it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, the, I don't. 
I have not looked at anything Newcastle basketball this year yet. Um, but it seems from what you said and going off of last year, uh, they're going to be a young team. But it seems every year, no matter youth or experience, they're always right there at the end. And it seems to me um, just a very broad opinion. They get better as the years go as the year goes on. So they may take their lumps now in December, but come late January, February, uh, they should be they should be right there proud to make a run again. Yeah, they got some great. You have one of the best coaches in the area too. Oh, it never hurts. That's that's a that helps. There's no question about it. I've talked to many of them over the years, and uh, there's there's an edge to be had for those who can teach and coach at the same time. And, and make players get better. Just real quick, just to mm-hmm. point out a couple players that uh, you want to pay attention to this year on Newcastle. Uh, Demetrius McKnight comes off the bench. He was their quarterback on the football team for the Red Hurricanes. He missed the first half of the season and played the second half. And uh, he really made a difference, I my understanding, on their football team once he took over at quarterback the second half of the season. Uh He's coming off the bench, and he's in the first two games. I think he scored fourteen and thirteen points respectively. Uh, so, a he's really a fun go-to athlete. guy. Yeah, he's a young athlete that mm-hmm. is going to be fun to watch this year. And then there's two brothers that play on the team. They both start right now: Sheldon Cox and Drew Cox. And mm-hmm. Drew Cox is a senior this year. Uh, both uh, are going to be really fun to watch. And uh, just to name a few, and there's a few other, but we'll get into that. Like I said on that mm-hmm. podcast, that's going to be. Uh, really just about the Canes and their season and getting ready moving forward. So uh, improving our games each week going forward. So I'm looking forward to that. Should be a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. And again, you can make comments on our webpage uh, on uh, Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash, I think it's uh, the real radio MVP. Uh, just search for it. You find it mm-hmm. like us, follow us, enjoy it. Uh, there's so many ways to uh, be involved here on the podcast, so we encourage all of that. Uh, moving quickly on to the NFL here, uh, as we got about 10 minutes here before we move on to uh, call it a night here, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Browns are turning a corner. Who would have known? Oh, yeah. uh, coming into the season, expectations were just unknown. And what a difference firing uh, the coach that couldn't win and putting somebody in with uh, with experience, uh, I was afraid of Williams as a head coach. Uh, I just because he's such a wild card. Yeah, you know about his background. You know you how know what he's going to get. Yeah, you just know how he'll sputter off at the mouth at any given time. And uh, but players seem to like him. Now I'm not saying he's going to be the head coach going on forward past this season, but got to give credit where credit is due. He is. Given them the opportunity to play better football, both offensively and They're defensively. Clear. Yeah. And They're Brian, Brian, yeah, I was going to say Brian Kitchen has made a huge difference with the offense. And the biggest difference I see is each week there's a game plan for that team mm-hmm. specifically versus what we've seen in the past where it was run the offense. This is the offense we run. We'll be successful yep. doing this against all teams. Uh, what I've seen so far in the Brian Kitchen era as offensive coordinators, each week there's little wrinkles that are put in, especially to go against that defense they're facing. And so far he's been successful in most games, uh, finding some weakness and exploiting it. Let me ask you this. Looking ahead to next year with the – if it came down to 
who some people have rumored Mike McCarthy or uh, Greg Williams. Who would you want? Well, I don't know. And honestly, I I honestly don't think those are the two choices. There's you don't? Be, no, I really don't. I think Williams may get down to the final two or three because of what he'll, you know, what he's meant to this organization this year, taking over a head coach and how they perform since he's been uh, interim head coach. Uh, Mike McCarthy may join the Browns for as a, uh, if he doesn't get a head coach somewhere, my auxiliary head coach type mm -hmm. thing or a part of the front office. Like a special I, assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. My gut feeling is even as, as, as impressive as he is, and he is an impressive guy. I just think I've got a feeling I'm going a different direction. Now, who that is, I don't know. Is it McDaniels? Maybe. Is it uh, enemy from uh, Kansas City? That's possible. Uh, there's so many names out there. Is it Riley from Oklahoma? You know, I just don't know. I think they're going to explore a lot of options before they make that decision. And I honestly believe that the, the door's wide open. I don't think there is a guy out front saying they're the front runner for the Cleveland Browns job. This is the first time in they came back in 1999. Right. They finally found their guy at quarterback. After the 25, 26, however many starting quarterbacks they've gone through, they have finally found their guy. They're creative on offense. They're not bland. And they have playmakers who stretch the field vertically and horizontally. And when they traded Nick, when they traded Carlos side a couple weeks ago, no, almost a month ago, all I heard was, oh, no, what the hell are we doing? What the hell are we doing? And I said, just trust the plan here. From an outsider's perspective, you have to give the young guy a shot. When, if, if fully healthy at Georgia, if he didn't get his injuries, He's a top 10 pick. The Cleveland Browns right now have a top 10 and top 10 quarterback right now playing draft-wise. Oh, yeah. Well, you figured they had three first-round draft picks last year. I mean, you had the first two in the top five. Yep. You know, obviously taking Baker Mayfield and, um, and Ward, you know, one and two in the top five. And then you go back. You had the first pick of the second round, mm -hmm. which is basically a first rounder. Pick, yeah. Uh, when you look at talent level, and they went and got Chubs, you know, and that's just you know how it worked, you know how, what this is, you know. Again, this goes back to John Dorsey and having an organization put together where he came in about a year ago uh, this week, and he was uh, able to evaluate some of the people in the organization, make changes, uh, you know, and give them bring people in who are better evaluators. And you see the difference. You can mm -hmm. see the level of play and the, the decision-making that the Browns made as an organization is so much better than it used to be. They haven't had, in my opinion, since, you know, up until Dorsey took over a year ago, haven't had a real honest, true GM running the organization since Phil, Phil Savage. And Phil Savage was only here for a couple of years. And unfortunately, you know, he got fired along with Romeo Cornell and a whole deal there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was the ownership back then. And ownership has hurt the Browns the most. Uh, the lack of uh, putting an organization, putting real NFL people involved to make decisions and allowing them to do their job properly. 
and not getting involved over than overseeing everything has been the biggest detriment to this organization. And John Dorsey coming in, giving them that foundation, and then the ownership group allowing them to do their job, overseeing it because that's their choice as owners, and there's nothing wrong with that on any team because they will have final says on monies and making decisions on that when presented by an organization. But you have to believe in the people that you put in that position to succeed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, John Dorsey is a proven pro. And, you know, the Browns are heading in the right direction. I mean, mm. was I surprised when they they took Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I was. Was I a little disappointed? Somewhat. But when I got over it pretty quickly, I said, he's our quarterback. Let's go forward. Yep. I understand the reason why. You know, we talked about it in our draft preview. There was five quarterbacks. All of them could play this year. All of them could be successful in the, many years to come. And I think we're seeing that uh, from all five of those quarterbacks. And so – it's, I'm not shocked. I am not shocked at all that Baker Mayfield has played well. Uh, he's played even better than I expected. And uh, I think you know, a lot of that has to do with Brian Kitchen taking over the offense mm -hmm. and giving him that opportunity to uh, showcase his skills at his highest levels. And today that pass that he threw to Landry for that touchdown, that was a small space to get that ball into. And there was no room for error. And he put it right there on the button. For that touchdown and a plays like that are just tough to make go back to your statement earlier mm -hmm. uh the last time the browns had a quarterback that was successful would, would be brian anderson who uh surprised yeah. the entire league and became an all pro that year and they won 10 games and prior to that you have to go back to when kelly holcomb took over as quarterback over tim couch and when they had the, two the wild card game yeah yeah, yeah well exactly in the following year and, you know, injuries that following year to both quarterbacks and Couch and Holcomb really brought on the end of that, uh, the Butch Davis era. Mm -hmm. And in the process brought into the 10 years of fertility that the Browns went through where they just couldn't get nothing done uh, properly. And the uh, lack of organization, you had the death of the owner, uh, the son taking over who absolutely had no clue how to run an NFL team mm -hmm. and uh, was, was basically contractually obligated to hold the team for 10 years and that's what he did yeah uh you know it's unfortunate he just sat that's on his hands basically he never wanted the team but because of uh the way it was written in his will and all that he had to keep it so once he got to that magic number that he was the owner for 10 years you know he, he dumped the team and you know haslam was not ready to own an nfl team he made a lot of mistakes the ownership group you know and haslam's made a lot of mistakes and uh they have finally starting to come out of their hole because they brought in a true professional for the first time in John Dorsey, mm -hmm. who has reorganized this organization, has brought in real talent, has made real moves to make this team a success. And I'm not saying they're there. They only won five games. They may lose the rest of the games this year. They'll end up fantastic, but that's five wins more than they had last year. That's four more wins already than they had two years ago. Yeah, uh, They already have more wins this year than they had in the last two years put together. You know, that says a lot about where the organization's headed, and I like that. I know we're running out of time here, so I'm going to let you go and talk about whatever you want to talk about real quickly. I do want to mention this. Yep. Uh, uh, YSU Football did offer a scholarship to uh, Nick Melito from uh, Gerard this I, past that's week. That's what I was – And uh, that, that's exciting news. And I know supposedly they made an offer to Mark Wade. He hasn't signed nothing yet. You never know what the future holds for YSU Football. Let's hope they find that quarterback. Uh, whoever it may be, 
And if it is Mark Wade, I think that would be the best scenario possible for the Penguins. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about real quick. Uh, with our season being over for almost a month now, still no word on the status of Coach Polini. I know uh, his contract expired this year. He's not going anywhere. Well, here's, no, here's the thing. This would have happened. This would have happened after the season. I know why ISU wants him back. From what I'm hearing, he has a couple defensive coordinator job offers at bigger schools. Not head coaching job offers, but there are a couple schools, including one Power 5 school, that have offered him a defensive coordinator position. I hope and I think it's ludicrous, and I think if he weren't going to be the coach, Mark Wade and Nick Melito wouldn't have gotten scholarship offers from him, and they, and they wouldn't have been at their games. I will take Nick Melito and Mark Wade next year at YSU. First of all, you get winners, you get great kids, and you get tough-nosed Youngstown kids. You get tough-nosed kids that know how to win. We'll have to wait an extra year for Nick Melito. He's yeah. a junior. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, no, those are the type of players that we have to go after there. Exactly. In the Valley, and there's a lot of them out there. And there's you opportunities. Can't let get away. Well, let me go back to uh, Coach Pelini real quick. Uh, honestly, I don't think he would string the university along uh, and not take a job immediately or resign his current position for they could find – a coach now, now yeah. versus the wait until January to make that decision. That's just my opinion. I don't know uh, Coach Pelini on a personal level at all. I will just say I just don't think he's that type of person who would do that. I believe right now it's just the university and him coming up with the right contract going forward, and that's probably where it's at. And that unfortunately takes time to negotiate when, you know, here's a man who's – used to being paying millions of dollars to coach yeah and at YSU you know that's not possible that's why d coordinator jobs at brand name universities top power universities are worth million two million dollars a year jobs so that's where that rumor is coming from i'm not saying it can't happen but i think we can put bo pelini in the position of zine a pretty respectable guy i think if he truly wanted to move on he would have resigned his position at the end of the season and made himself available for those type of jobs. I hope you're right. I just I was told that yesterday a couple of times, and I felt like it, you know, something discussed in the air. But I do like the idea of Melito and Wade in Penguins uniforms in the next two years. Hopefully, they're the start of the local talent again coming back to YSU and getting us back to where we all think the program can be. Oh, there's no question about it. And, and, you know, I think it's exciting. I honestly do uh, believe Coach will be back, and uh, you got to move the pro program forward. And if you're the YSU administration, you can't wait. They must be negotiating contract, and mm -hmm. it's just a matter of getting it done versus uh, if it wasn't going to get done, then the university would be foolish not to move on right away because no, right, there's, yeah. too many coaching, there's too many coaching candidates out there that you would pass on. And if you're going to do a national search, you want to do that as soon as possible, not after the new year. The way I see it, changes can happen at any time, at any mm -hmm. level. I've seen that before at YSU in the basketball program. Uh, the basketball coach left right before the season began one year. Yep. You know, to go to the NBA. So these things happen. I just don't expect it to happen this time. Again, no information, just my belief. Yeah, I hope he's staying. I don't think there's anyone else out there better suited for Youngstown State right now. I think 
like you and I've talked about, maybe a couple on staff adjustments, um, but it's just about executing better. I know we seem like a broken record every time we talk about it, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the execution. If you execute, you win a lot more football games. You know, we're sitting here talking about maybe a, a third or fourth round game this week. One thing I want to talk about, how incredible. Every year, it seems like North Dakota State continues to. I've watched Colgate a couple of times here, and they're top five defensively in the country. And North Dakota State, they'll let you hang around in the first half, and they'll be up seven, ten points. Yesterday, 14 nothing. And I turned to my mom and I said, this game's over. And she goes, it's only 14 nothing." I said, 14 nothing. if North Dakota State goes like 34 nothing. You're not going to drive the field consistently against them. They're just a well-oiled machine right now. It's just fun football to watch. It, it, it really makes me appreciate that because that's what YSU was back in the 90s. It's the well, same brand of football, the same toughness. It makes you appreciate and, the run that YSU had two years ago. Exactly. And Tim did ran quarterback sneak yesterday. <laughs> I thought of you. That's uh, it's a great running joke, but you know what? It's it's just the smartest play in football when it's fourth and one or third and one. The smartest you know? play in football. It is. It's a simple play. You mean you don't want shotgun on fourth? There's nothing inches? wrong with shotgun. I just don't believe in the shotgun 100 percent of the time. I don't uh, either. I don't and, either. Uh, I think most schools or most coaches, if they had their choice, would like to see quarterbacks underneath center a little bit more than they do now. The brand of football has changed. That's a different discussion for a different day. Yep. As we're out of time here, Anthony, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank everybody listening for their time. Those joining us on YouTube today for their time. And we will talk to you soon here on RadioMVP.com. For Anthony Kepley, I'm Tim Continenza. Go Canes. Basketball season's here. This is RadioMVP.com.